Welcome to the Startup Brewery podcast, where we discuss all things relating to startups, open and growing breweries from concept to execution. We are pleased to partner with All About Beer to bring you this podcast. You're joining us today for episode 006, your business plan, understanding your market and creating your brand identity. I'm Laura Lodge here with Candice Moon, and we're excited to welcome you to our ongoing podcast journey. This discussion follows our first two episodes about building your business plan. Those episodes were, respectively, 004, The Academic Perspective with Greg Dunkling, John Reynolds, and Ethan Tsai, talking about the overall plan purpose and creation, and then 005, Mission Statement, Philosophy, Values, and Vision with John Hyman, Ren Navarro, and Jason Gladfelter. Ren, John, and Jason focused on the questions, who are you and what do you stand for? and then the importance of both sharing and living those answers as a team. I feel like this session, 006, is also who are you, but from a brand creation standpoint, discussing the importance of understanding your market, your products, and how they come together to build a cohesive brand statement is key, and how failure at this stage of brand creation can ripple through the business plan to impede financing, development of the brand, and eventually be a detriment to overall success in the market. We work to bring you an array of different perspectives on a given topic in each of our podcasts by inviting guests with different backgrounds to the discussion. Today, we take that up a notch and are pleased to have three ladies joining us who own their own small businesses with different industry specialties, graphic design, communications, and marketing plus distribution. Our goal today is to show both the process and the importance of this puzzle piece from different perspectives. So we have three very experienced uh, guests with us today. Uh, Emily Hutto, founder, CEO of Radcraft. Emily is an experienced journalist, marketing professional, and public speaker who specializes in the craft beverage supply chain. After years of freelance writing and authoring the book, Colorado's Top Brewers, she founded Radcraft in 2012 to serve the communication needs of monsters, hop farmers, brewers, and distillers. Misty Gordon, founder owner of Misty Gordon Creative. Misty is a multimedia graphic artist and creative director, specializing in creating strong, visually stimulating design and providing cohesive marketing collateral across multiple platforms. After years of working in the advertising industry in various markets, Misty opened Misty Gordon Creative in 2010 to address the needs of the craft beer industry. And last but not least, we have Julie Rhodes, owner educator, not your hobby marketing. With over two decades of experience on the business side of the craft beverage industry, Julie founded Not Your Hobby Marketing Solutions in 2019 to assist small to medium-sized beverage producers with their sales, marketing, and distribution plans. She's an educator, strategic business consultant, journalist, and advocate who enjoys analyzing market data just as much as skiing and sci-fi movies. Welcome, ladies. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Happy to be here. We are very excited to have an all ladies podcast, I have to say. So um, I'm going to jump right in. Let's not waste any time. Uh, Julie, given that we're at the very beginning of creating your business plan, what are some key elements of market research and understanding that are necessary to bring your brand creation mission? Working backward from the shelf tap room to this starting point, how do you see this beginning stage? Okay. We only have an hour. So I'm (laughs) like, where do I start? Uh, So first, um, 
it's going to sound really boring and tedious, but I'm hoping that when people start um, their beverage business, that they're hoping to play the long game instead of the short game. So I would say the sort of, you can't see my air quotes, but like fundamentals and building blocks of branding um, and who your brand actually is and why you exist is so incredibly important. I cannot stress that enough. I am a consultant, which means most people think I just come in and fix things, right? So like if something's wrong, I come in and fix things. Um, a lot of the times that's true. Um, I do other things besides that, but um, it is very typical that I will run into a business that works with me that, um, you know, they're fairly new. They've been out in the market for a little bit. And I ask about their marketing efforts. I look at their website. I look at their social media. I might look at their packaging, things like that. And I look like, it feels like I'm looking at seven different companies at the same time. And that's not great. Don't pat yourself on the back for like overachieving in that sense. Cause that's not, that's not a good form of overachievement. What you want to have people react in a better way would be if I'm looking at all these angles of your brand, your company, I want to know it's from the same company, right? So I, I, I don't want to be confused by all the things. So if it's a logo, if it's a label color, if it's a tap handle design, if it's your Instagram feed, your website, you know, your sales sheets, whatever it is, all of that universe. Um, if you can knock it out at the beginning of why do we exist? What do we do better than anybody else in our same category? What differentiates our brand from other people? Um, and really get good at what is unique to go into, you know, technical sales speak. What are your unique selling propositions? What, you know, and to give you an example, because I can throw out buzzwords, but I hate doing that without uh, actionable examples, is that, um, you know, we're unique because we're local and we use high quality ingredients. Absolutely not. Everybody does that. I, so usually I, I default to telling people there's a wonderful book by Simon Sinek called, I think it's find your why. I think that uh, is the correct name. Um, he has this idea of like concentric circles of why. So when you are saying we're local, we use high quality ingredients, ask yourself, so what, or who cares? Not trying to be mean, <laughs> but so that you can start getting to the core of why your business exists and what makes you really special, you know? Um, so if you say who cares, and then you can answer that with, um, well, because people, I, my consumers like supporting local business. Awesome. Now we're getting somewhere, right? And then you, you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper into that um, to figure out, uh, and again, y'all know how much I love books and other people and everything. Uh, Jim Collins, who writes entrepreneurship books and business books and all those things, he calls it that like finding your hedgehog. Like hedgehogs are not really good at a lot of things, right? They do like one thing, they crawl into a ball and just like sit there, but they're really good at it. 
really great. <laughs> so like, you're not trying to be a million things. You're just trying to find your hedgehog thing. Like we do this one thing and we do it really awesome. Um, you're trying to find your hedgehog principle of, you know, what do we do really great that maybe somebody else doesn't do. And when you can start there, like from that root, you are going to save yourself so much time and effort and stress and sweat and hours um, in the long run, because you have a clear picture of who you are and who you are creating this product for. Gotcha. Emily, what would you add to, uh, to the. So I would second absolutely everything that Julie said. So well put, find your hedgehog. <laughs> and I would also add to that, that there's an element of beer and that I think every startup brewery should be thinking about. Um, I think, well, correct me if I'm wrong, ladies, but I'm pretty sure we're at 9,000 plus craft breweries in the United States, which means that there are 8,999 plus other companies making the same thing as you. So ask yourself in this stage of getting started, what products, experiences, spaces, concepts can I offer my audience and my customers beyond the beer? Please stay dedicated to beer quality. That's huge. But beyond that, what is it that helps you differentiate yourself in this very crowded marketplace? Um, I think at this stage in the game, when you're first getting started, it's really difficult to plan where you're going without recognizing where you've been and where you are at present. And so I would recommend to any company in its startup stages to put together what we call at Radcraft a brand book, which to simplify could literally be a PDF. Just put it on paper, uh, discuss your history, discuss who you are as people, discuss your mission, your values or pillars, some people call that. Um, what do we care about? What's our approach? And then always, how is it different than others? Um, and that's where market research comes into play. So I can't stress enough the, the quality and credibility of your brand that will be accentuated if you do market research, not just in the beginning, but on an ongoing basis. And that can come from a number of sources for the, for the sake of examples. Um, do a trademark database search, scan social media, um, connect with your local stakeholders, where are you located and who's important in that community, um, engage the feedback of your friends over a couple of beers. And then um, I think that Misty will really appreciate this one. Ask your designer. I think a lot of times folks who are putting together visuals for brands, specifically craft breweries, are going to have a sense of who might have already done that or whose logo is similar in concept, color, font to your own. Um, and then I would also rely on beer media in this stage in the game. There's a lot of resources out there that are already covering an array of small businesses just like yours that you can utilize as a market research concept tool, excuse me, for the sake of comparison. Um, I love the website, Oh Beautiful Beer. I'm a total nerd for the graphic imagery that goes into the creation of logos and, and cans and such. So it's, it's a fun website to check out. And it will also give you 
a nice notion of what else is out there. And then I also appreciate the My Beer Buzz blog because they're pulling brand new beer labels from the TTB as soon as they get approved and putting them on their newsfeed on an ongoing basis. So if you want to stay completely up to date with what's going on, those are just a super short handful of resources that I described for the sake of this call. But I'll, I'll circle back and just say market research is integral at this stage. Yes. And one thing um, I'll go ahead and mention too, is that is really an important piece of the business plan is you need to research your market. Um, I mean, aside from the national picture or the the field you're got, you want to play in on a national level, you need to, as part of your business plan and as part of what you're, um, you know, convincing your investors of why you're going to be successful is you're bringing something to your location, your market that ideally is not already there. So that is definitely something you need to include in the business plan for sure. Misty, so turning yes. to you, um, how does someone take this brand identity, this um, idea of who they are, and um, turn it into uh, a logo, a name, a graphic design? I mean, I'm sure some people come to you and tell you what exactly they want, but I'm sure there's also a lot of people who have no idea what they want and are looking for your help. Um, yes. So kind of building on what Julie and Emily said, the, the humorous thing is that everybody's always excited about picking their name and having their logo made, right? That's the first thing somebody thinks of when I'm going to start a business. I've got this cool name and I have this idea for a logo, but um, they always get a little bit frustrated with me when I start asking all of those questions that these two lovely ladies just brought up. And sometimes we hit a wall instantly when they're like, what do you mean? How are we different? I just need a logo. I just need a logo. And I'm going, yeah, but we need to know why. We need to know what it's going to look like. We need to know how it's going to represent your business. Um, your brand is more than just a logo. That's the very beginning part of the entire process. So we want to make sure that that logo is identifying you you can't design in a vacuum. So I want to make sure your idea doesn't look just like the guy next door or down the street, or let's, let's be honest, we're, we're dealing with the world wide web here. So it can't look like somebody that's one state over, especially if they're distributing out of state. So um, the questions that I usually ask are what these ladies said, you know, why are you, why are you going into this business? What is the business? Because um, uh, Tom Hennessy did a great article or a group of articles, actually, that's on the Start a Brewery website um, about what kind of brewery are you creating? Are you creating a packaging brewery? So you're not even going to have a physical location. Your stuff is just going to be out there for somebody to pick up from the liquor store. Or are you going to have a tap room? Are you going to have a brew pub? So you're going to be doing food and you're going to be doing other things. So um, all of that is really important as well as what you, so besides what you're offering in the basics, I need to know why you're going into business, who you are, what your, what your plan is. Um, and it's surprising how many people kind of hit the wall as soon as I ask that. It's more than what's your favorite color. And, um, you know, the, the major thing Julie kind of hinted on the disconnect that somebody's information is all over the place, that they 
their logo looks like this. And then their, their information that they're giving their salespeople looks completely different. Their website has a, a different feel. So if they allow a graphic designer to get to that kind of basic, what is the reason that you're going into business? Why are you important? Then it kind of helps from the, the ground point up. And it also helps to maybe pick somebody that you like and stick with them for a little while. Let them build a few things for you. Don't just go online and find some, I don't know, some group that'll make a logo for you or a logo builder and or your you know, nephew that took uh, six months of Photoshop or, or something, <laughs> you know, and people do that all the time. That's fine. But it means that somebody else then has to come in and kind of recreate that brand and help you build it out. Because if you don't do it from the beginning, you're going to end up having to rebrand yourself at some point later on because you're going to need all these pieces. Great. Julie, do you want to add something? Yeah, I was just going to piggyback off of the collective, like the M and what M and Misty said is just um, sometimes just as a tip for people, because I work through some of this with people sometimes is that, um, and don't laugh to, but create a tagline or a motto or a, you know what I mean? Just like a little blurb that, that sort of sums you up in a very short, like less than 10 words, you know, um, that just gives a little sneak peek for the consumer. Um, and, and if you need to start with the tagline and then work backwards from that, you can, maybe that helps with the name development. Maybe that helps with the logo development, you know, something like that, but, um, it's not corny. It's not pitchy. I know we're not selling used cars. I get that, but it is helpful for consumers to have a frame of reference so that, um, the expectations are there. Usually the classic example that I give is dogfish head because it's been around for so long and it's so well done. Um, you know, there's other plenty of brands out there though, that do this well. And, you know, uh, Dogfish Head is off-centered ales for off-centered people. Okay, just with that one thing, that's it. Like Emily just signaled, like period, <laughs> exclamation point. Like, is it because it literally just describes the entire business in like very few characters, you know, uh, off-centered ales. Okay, not your normal beer. And I'm a beer company. So I'm saying what I do and I'm, and I'm giving a distinctive angle for off-centered people for people who want something a little different, you know? And then you've literally just wrapped up your entire mark. I don't know who created that. Maybe Sam and Mariah can like chime in somewhere and say like who created, I don't, maybe they did, who knows? I think it's genius. It's stuck for how many years have they been around? I mean, it doesn't need to be changed. It's so when you can get to that point, it's awesome. So Sam actually discusses that in the next episode. So that's a little, a little foreshadowing there. That's a good segue. I didn't even plan that. All right. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking we'd make that a surprise, but no. anyway, <laughs> Misty. Well, and I would like to add kind of building on what Emily had said about um, a lot of people feel that it's, it's good to come up with three words that just kind of describe what your brand is. And if you can, if you can look at those three words and say, I'm going to do this X, whatever it is, I'm going to put this flooring in my tap room, or I'm going to ask the designer to make my label look like this, or I want the website to look like this, 
does it, do those things match up with these three bullet point words that describe your business? Because if they don't, then you're, you're going off brand and they don't have to be anything like crazy, crazy, or really, really intricate. You want to pick things that are really honest to your business. And I know that like, as we go into um, the generations changing over, that the generations that are coming up, they're all about honesty, honesty and like who you are. So if I have a client come to me and they say, I want to make this brewery. And I'm like, how is that significant to you? How is that name significant? Well, it's not. Okay. Why are you choosing that? Well, I just think it sounds cool and it sounds like a brewery to me. Okay. We need more than that. We're going to have to go deeper than that because that is not authentic. We don't have anything to build off of. I just think I just think that name sounds cool. You know, I'm like that. No, that's not okay. We, we're going to have to defend this to some degree. You know, you're going to have to tell me why you want that name. You're going to have to give me something that connects to you or to your people that are working there or to something, because we can't just, we're just not making stuff up off the fly because it sounds kind of cool. It needs to connect in some way. I'm going to throw in here the, the lawyer note, which is, uh, keep in mind too, don't, don't get too tied to a name until you have uh, run that through your lawyer <laughs> to make sure no one else is already using that name. Um, one little tip on the, in the trademark world is that the trademark office considers all alcohol the same and a name on alcohol is a name on alcohol. So a beer name on alcohol is just as infringing. It, it's not any different if it's your brewer name because the other person has a beer name. A name on beer is a name on beer. Uh, if it's a winery, a distillery, if it's a seltzer, a kombucha, and the more time goes on and the more products there are, the the more you're running into um, potential issues. So always try to keep it in the back of your head. They, I've actually been called the dream crusher on more than one occasion when someone comes to me with their perfect brewery name. And I have to point out that someone already has that trademarked. So. Okay. Uh, I guess we should move on. Um, let's see. We, uh... So, Missy, I'm going to stick with you, actually. That So how, I mean, I know it, it, it's obviously important, your vision, your idea, your identity. Um, but to some extent, how does that play into designing the logo and the imagery? Like what, how do you take someone's identity and make it into a a logo? I think off, you know, off the top of my head, the first thing is um, you want to be different from who you're with, but you don't want to put something out there that nobody understands that that's a brewery. But at the same time, you do not need to put hops, hop cones, wheat or barley. Um, people who drink beer know that it's made with hops and barley and sometimes wheat, you know, depending on. Um, so we get that that's overdone, done to death, right? We know that there's, there's hops in beer. Um, so try to find something that is a little more significant to you, to your business. And that could be color. I mean, some people go with color and, uh, it, it could be whatever image you're looking for. Um, and it could just like some people kind of just chosen to go with a more simplistic view anymore. I think Avery is, has 
beautiful work because they just use their big A with the, the kind of um, um, circle around it and with their name. And you know, when you go into some place and you're looking at all the bazillions of beers, craft beers that are in a liquor store, you always know Avery's. It's very clear. The brand is very, very set. Um, the same with New Belgium and all these others. So I, you know, I don't want to always like pick the the top hanging fruit there, but you don't, it, ha it doesn't have to be over-designed. It doesn't have to have a bazillion hops in it. Uh, I really think that the best way to go about it personally, I prefer to design the first concepts in black and white. If a, if a logo cannot stand up in black and white and it needs a whole bunch of color to make it work, then you're really cutting yourself short because when it comes to embroidering something on a, on a jacket, when it comes to printing it on a label, when it comes to adding it to a, a koozie or a can or whatever, you need to be able to use that logo in one color, two colors, multiple colors, however. So if you're, if your designer is like instantly giving you something that's like seven colors, they, they honestly need to go back. They don't really maybe know what they're doing. We want to be able to do a one color logo and it look good. And that's not always a thing. Um, and so I, I usually kind of force people to answer a whole bunch of questions that they don't always want to answer. And then um, I present them with a bunch of options, but I tell them, I always start in black and white. We will add color. I'm not saying that you have to have a black and white logo. There will be color at some point. It's just not going to be in the beginning process. Um, but as an example of what I need from them is some people are very uh, specific with color. Uh, I had a client that it had to be scarlet and that's because of where he grew up and that's where he was putting his brewery and he went to this high school and those were their colors and he's going into this particular area and he wanted to show support for that location and like let his people know that, hey, I'm local. I'm from here. I'm starting this brewery, but I'm one of you kind of thing. So I understand that that concept, you know, somebody else, uh, four paws, I did their logo recently. Well, it's, they're all about puppies. <laughs> and so there, there had to be some, some kind of look or mention of, um, dogs on there. Uh, I did actually do a logo that has barley and hops in it, <laughs> but it was for a farm brewery. They are a farm. And so they are literally growing those things on their property. People can go look at them and then go in and have a beer. It seemed appropriate. Uh, so I, I would say just stay away from the really obvious stuff. But I will say what Emily, what M mentioned was go look at what other people are doing. You want to stay in your lane. So you want people to know it's it's a brewery, but you don't want to be looking just like your guy next to you. Um, if you go and even you can look at other types of industries. If you go look at the NFL. And look at all the different logos that they have. They all have something that's in common, but they don't all look exactly the same. So that's kind of what we're we're going for. And in common does not have to be a hop cone or a, a piece of wheat. Got it. So, well, let's move over to um, back to Emily and Julie, and we'll start with you. How does differentiating yourself through your logo and imagery affect your success or failure when launching your brewery? Well, I think 
we've established at this point that it's critical to ask the hard questions and to work with a professional if you're not a designer or a, a branding strategist yourself. Um, so now that you're here and you've done that work, work to self-identify in a meaningful and differentiating way, I really do believe that your logo and your imagery will be a reflection of your unique position in the marketplace out there amid others. And, and so there's a lot of like, start here, do it right, and then put your best foot forward. Um, I think in, in this very visual and digital information age that we're all living in, ultimately your brand identity is your first foot forward in the marketplace and first impressions are quite hard to reverse. So I think that there's, there's much to be done behind closed doors before you, before you open that up. Uh, market data says that consumers often choose brands to purchase based on aesthetics alone. And so I think that speaks for itself in in the importance of this process. And I also think we can all on just a personal level, an in-person level relate to curb appeal. Um, if it looks good, it, it's going to it's going to capture your audience. If it looks good, it's going to strike off from afar. Um, and I, I've said this already today, but I think it's it's worth noting again that you should ask for feedback along the way and and see what your friends think, see what your colleagues and your stakeholders think, because that way, when you do put that foot forward and you do go out publicly or open the doors, so to speak, you have a little bit of a gauge of how it's going to land. I think that's great. Laura, Laura? before I talk, I'm going to let you just, um, just a note. I actually, as part of the, the mentor program for the Brewers Association, I've had a couple of startup uh, mentees that I've actually sent out into the market and said, go look at the beer doors, go stand in the liquor store, pick two or three different kinds of liquor stores in different places in your community and go look and see what stands out, what's appealing, kind of what the direction is. And there's a lot to be said for if it's all sparkly, don't be. If it's super bright and colorful, don't be or the reverse, you know, um, to be different. And I think Misty can probably speak more to that. But I also have found um, to add to your resources. I've enjoyed the Craft Beer Marketing Awards website. Um, they have a lot of different kinds of approaches and you can kind of see what the in thing is. And some of the stuff is, you know, kind of more expensive to do labels. But it's interesting to see what's out there and how differently people approach things. I'm going to so take it. I, I just want to make a twist on for, for your answer. So same question, but rather than for launching the brewery, for launching distribution, self-distribution or or other. Right. I'm about to play devil's advocate here. And and by the way, in no way, shape or form do I ever want to um, dream crush anybody in like Misty's role that does like label art or creativity production folks yell at me all the time. They're like, you're stifling my innovation, Julie. And I'm like, I'm sorry. All I'm thinking about is like revenue and profit margins and things like that. And okay. It, I just have to add, I don't want to be the dream crusher. That's right. not my goal. That is not my intention at all either. And I don't, I don't, I think the ideas can be married. I think there can be a good like middle ground, a hundred percent. And I say this because 
Um, I've actually been a judge for the CBMAs. I have seen some amazing uh, work. Yes, M, you have too. Yes, like it's um, it's great. And the talent with that is absolutely spectacular, you know, but here's the deal is that, um, you know, I have this, uh, I give credit to Isaac from Kodo um, Design. I think he's the one that said this. I can't remember a hundred percent. So if he listens to this and he's not the, I'm sorry, just somebody else raise your hand and tell me to stop misquoting somebody. Um, but he said, you really need to have a brand family and not a family of brands. Like we just went meta <laughs> completely on this, right? But like, you need to have something that looks like it belongs in the same place, but is slightly different, right? Because you have variations on what you do. So the goal is to try to get, you know, whatever um, channel it appears on, website, social media, your tap handles, your merch section, you know, it could be any number of these like marketing material, your, your logo, but like the black and white versus the color, like make sure you can see that like a uh, thread, that common thread, like the connection there. Um, I also like to quote people, Donald Miller, who is, I, uh, uh, Laura knows I have no filter. I'm not a big fan of him as a human, but I think he's a wonderful marketer. Like, I think he's really smart um, business-wise. Uh, and he says, when you confuse, you lose. You will lose your customers if you confuse them. It's so simple, right? But if you think about it, like if they're baffled, you know, and I call it doing like the neighbor test or the mom test. My mom doesn't care like who I'm working with or anything like that. I'll be like, mom, look at this website. What do you think they do? Cause she has no prior knowledge, right? There's no bias there. There's no, you know, or like I'll ask my neighbor that has nothing to do with the beverage industry. Hey, if you saw this in the grocery store, what would you think it is? What do you think you're, you're getting? Right. And you know, it's great. That's part of the market research piece. Just go out and ask random people, you know, what they like. <laughs> have them look at your website for about 10 seconds and say like, do you know what these people do and what they're selling and how you buy it? I can't take credit for that. That's also, I don't want to take other people's stuff. That's a Donald Miller thing. That's called the grunt test with like branding or like your website or whatever. Like, who are you? What do you do? Uh, how do I buy it? And if you can't answer those three questions, like right off the bat, then we need to go backwards and like reassess things. Um, but I would say the thing that I tell my clients all the time when going into distribution so I'm getting out of the tap room, right? I'm getting on the shelf. I'm working with a wholesaler possibly um, is expectations without education. That's what I tell them all the time. Can your product sit somewhere and have somebody understand what kind of liquid is in that container and who made it and where that came from and why you're special without anyone else talking to you? Just in case nobody's around. Just in case, because a lot, you know, if you go into a grocery store, there's not a lot of like, you know, for me, it's like a Safeway or something here in my neck of the woods or King Supers, which is a division of Kroger. Um, you know, there's not necessarily a beer steward or an expert or something around. So you have to think if my product is sitting on somebody's shelf and nobody's around to talk to me, 
what expectations am I setting in that container um, that would be easy for somebody to understand without any prior beer knowledge or cider knowledge or whatever, RTD, whatever it is, right? It could be any type of beverage. Um, do I know uh, the style? So does that give me a flavor category? Do I know the ingredients in this? Does it have fruit? Should I expect fruit when I open it? Or should I expect like really danky hops or something, you know? Um, and then who the hell are you? And why should I trust you? Uh, why should I spend money on this? Um, uh, different things. Uh, do I have allergens? You know, things like that. That's why labeling is so important. Um, and that carries over to your distributor partner. So if you're working with a distributor partner, I hammer people over the head with this education, education, train their sales team, work with their managers, please, please, please. It doesn't cost you any money except for a little bit of time and some good lungs and, you know, information about your products, right? Um, the more you can do that, you create advocates for yourself in the market without having them on your payroll. Um, so they are able to pass along that information for you in your absence. So if your packaging can do that, right on, like, awesome. We're doing great things, right? If it can tell a story, um, you know, or at least get people intrigued enough to ask more follow-up questions, basically, because then there's an interest there. Laura? Um, I think Misty had more to offer too. I wanted to to talk a little more about the brand family that Julie brought up. Um, I think trust is a huge, huge thing now. You face those those doors in the liquor store or in the the shelves in the grocery store, whatever it is. And if if somebody finds a beer of yours that they like and they want to come back, it needs to be obvious that that all of these beers that are yours belong together. And so I know that there's a lot of overwhelm in the market right now. And so you find that people are are being pulled to the Avery logo, the New Belgium logo, the Bells logo. I love to use Lost Abbey or Stone just as good branding, good recognizable pulling it together as a brand family, even if they're different colors, the stylistic stuff, um, the font, the, you know, all the way they present themselves shows that they belong together. And I think that trust factor is a big deal with sales right now when people are like, I don't know, I don't know what to go, what to try. But these people made a good beer before, so I trust that even if I don't like the beer, that'll be well-made. Absolutely. Especially if you could start considering the price point, right? Like beer is, the craft beer is more expensive. Everything's more expensive right now, but um, <clears throat> it's hard to want to go in and say, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to drop my $18 on this four pack <laughs> because you know, I don't know. And so I totally agree with everything Julie just said. My biggest, as a graphic artist, my biggest frustration is I walk into the liquor store. I mean, I'm a, I'm a craft beer snob. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I walk in there and I don't know who made what, I don't know what's going on. And, and I don't know what, what kind of beer it is for one. And I have no idea who made it. Those are the two things I'm like, really, those are the two most important things and an important part, which I know has to be on there legally, but isn't always really obvious. How much alcohol per volume are we looking at here? Because some of these beers are really big 
And I need to know that I'm not taking this back thinking I'm going to have a sipper and I'm out in the backyard and I'm at 15% or something crazy. You know, um, I really think that there needs to be some kind of almost legislation saying this is what needs to, besides the obvious, right? The Surgeon General's warning and, and all the things, I know that some things have to be on there, but that you need to know who made this, it needs to be more obvious. So in order to do that brand family, like like Julie was talking about, it's really simple. Make Make your can as crazy as you want to, but put that logo in the same place every single time and make it big enough that people can find it quickly and easily. I feel like when you're not doing that, you're not trusting that your brand is any good. You're kind of almost trying to trick somebody into dropping that $17, $18 just because they don't know any better instead of looking for your brand items. And so I feel like the brands that feel really confident in what they're putting out there and the quality and the consistency that they're doing, they're putting their logo out front because they're saying, hey, this is who we are. You know, we make good stuff. You know, we're worth this money. So you're going to want to buy our product. So if you want to show and exude that kind of confidence in that really busy, crowded market, you're going to do that same thing. You're going to say, hey, this is who we are. Here's what we're making. And even if it's something crazy, put that whole name on there. Put that it's a bananas foster stout with a lager twist or whatever crazy, crazy things that they're coming up with. Put it on there. I want to know what I'm getting. I don't want to get home and be like, oh, and feel like I've wasted my money or try to pawn it off on my neighbor who will drink anything. <laughs> so I will throw out there from the legal perspective that yes, both federally and your state, there are things that are required to be on the label. And uh, most actually of which Misty mentioned, they're just, they don't necessarily require a font or a size, but um, be aware of what your state requires. And when your beer is, well, and I don't even want to say when it's ready to cross state lines because you should always be prepared. So I actually think that as soon as you have a label, you should try to get a certificate of label approval from TTB. You don't have to have that until your beer is crossing state lines, but I think it's always good to do it from the beginning because then you don't have to change the label down the road when you want to cross state lines. Um, and the TTB has some very, very specific things. So I will also, this is also a caution as to getting attached to a label without getting label approval and then finding out that you didn't do something correctly. And the TTB can be very picky. So for example, no one in the United States makes a Belgian ale. You make a Belgian style ale. Only Belgians make Belgian ales. <laughs> So, um, but yes, and, and ABV levels, uh, that's all on there. And there are specific requirements for, um, there are a lot of beverages that brewers can make such as seltzer that don't require TTB colas, but must follow FDA labeling guidelines. So there are a lot of requirements that you want to be aware of, uh, when you are going to, uh, to market with a packaged product. So just to put everybody on notice for that. Um, wow, we're we're kind of speeding along here. Um, I'm gonna jump ahead. Um, Emily, 
How does a brewery's imagery and overall message affect how you would choose to present them in a press release and social media or in other areas of the PR world? I love that question. And I think very simply put, if your logo and your branding is a direct reflection of your target audience and the key consumer that you want, that helps us place the message in the spaces so that we can find that consumer, that audience. So there's a there's a just intrinsic simplicity there that if you've done your branding properly, um, maybe not properly, intentionally is a better word. But if you've if you've done this work to establish your brand, then putting it out there is not easy, but it's simple because you know what you're trying to do. You know where you're coming from. And therefore, anyone like me who is trying to message your brand knows where to go. Um, I'll also put out there that when it comes to any kind of PR messaging or communications in general, in particular at Radcraft, we think beer quality first. And so it's really critical that if we're going to help a brand maintain its recognition and get notoriety that we're speaking about a quality product that consumers will be not just happy to spend money on, but truly invested in. And that starts with making a product that is well-made and then your mission and, and the reason you're doing it comes into play there. I also want to say that beyond the image of what you're putting out, color, fonts, graphics, things like that, especially today in 2023, uh, conveying your brand with inclusivity is critical. And so something that we always ask of any brand we're working with, and I'll stay in the visual branding messaging space for the sake of our conversation today, but know that I could go on all day. But an important question to ask is, who might consider this to be inappropriate? Who might be offended by this? I think the do no harm policy is absolutely fundamental in public relations and messaging. So beyond just creating something that is inclusive and welcoming to all and with the intention to do no harm, I think that those of you out there who are working on a brand yourselves, my best advice is to stay constantly curious about showing up in the most authentic and non-invasive way because our industry is evolving. And so always ask yourself that question and, and knowing that you're doing no harm can help you feel more comfortable entering into new messaging spaces and me as your messenger. In fact, like that's, that's critical. Like we, um, we appreciate the interest, but if, if you're being offensive or not inclusive, we'll, we'll tell you to have a wonderful day outside of the, this office. <laughs> I second that. <laughs> I admit I, uh, as a trademark filer, I occasionally will be given names, beer names to trademark that I, I always kind of have to go, you know, I'm not offended, but I do think that perhaps someone else might read this differently. And, and certainly from a practical standpoint, and, and honestly, 
you know, when we talk about people being authentic, some people have a slightly different sense of humor. And from a practical standpoint, I will recommend if you want to use a more questionable beer name, maybe just put that on draft just in your tap room. Don't don't put that on your cans you're going to send out to the world because you need to be aware of what other people I mean, it's just once it's out there, you can't change it. You can't bring it. I mean, you technically can bring it back, but you can't. It's kind of like you only have one chance to make a first impression. You know, it's like once it's out there, people are seeing it and they're going to connect it with you. So if you want to maybe save the more edgier stuff for something that a, is easily changeable, should you change your mind after, as as I know, some people have run into with various labels and names, but um yeah, you do have to be, whether you want to or not, you need to be more cognizant of uh, what's out there and what people are going to, how people are going to take things. I feel like if if you at all question whether somebody is going to be offended, you should maybe rethink it. Um, the reality is, why would you alienate anybody who wants to buy your product that just seems crazy to me the whole point is that you're trying to sell something so what you have to do as a business owner and this is any business is take yourself out of the equation to some degree it doesn't matter if you think that's funny if your customers don't think it's funny your purpose is to be selling your product to these people and so if they don't want to buy your product because your sense of humor was a little bit too uh, raunchy or whatever, then then you need to rethink it because it's really about your customer and how you get your product out there. And so you need to consider bringing in a group like people should in their in their business should have a variety of people working for them. So if they're not quite sure, you might want to ask your mom or you might want to ask the lady across the street, hey, do you think this is okay? And if they're like, no, I don't. Or you might want to ask a group or find a, a group together through social media for goodness sakes and say, what do you guys think? You're going to hear it on social media. People are going to be honest. So don't, don't alienate your customer base. It doesn't matter if it's uh, through race, through religion, through uh, sexual orientation. Don't, don't alienate anybody. You want people to buy your product. I need to recruit Misty to sit in on my sales consults with some of my clients. <laughs> Just, it's I'm not really just me. There's other people that think this way as well. I will say this. I, I <laughs> agreed. If if you think it might be, then yes. But the well, I shouldn't say the problem. There are a lot of people who don't see the offense, like that it is offensive at all. But again, there is a real fine line of being authentic. This is who I am, but not alienating. I mean, like you got to find that. You yes, know, but you're but you're selling you aren't gonna buy all your own products. Like if you think it's ha ha funny, like that's great. Like maybe you and your friends can get together and buy 30 pallets of the product that you just made. If you have that capability, awesome. Elon musk it up, like right, like <laughs> buy all my own stuff because I think it's clever, but you know. It, most of us don't have that capability. So we have, I won't get into the tie-in to the name of my company, but we have put a business license on paper, on the books, and we are here to sell things. Um, so please do not alienate in your sales efforts in any way. 
And I love that M takes that into account with public relations because everything is transparent these days. Everything is on the interwebs. Everything that you do, do it with the intention of, I never know who, you never know who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. So just watch it. <laughs> okay. I feel like we could talk about this for hours because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, actually, I'm enjoying the devil's advocate. Like I kind of want to be that like, but what about, even though you guys all know that that's not me, but um, I mean, the devil's advocate part, yes, but the other part now, um, but we're actually getting to the point where we kind of need to start wrapping it up. So we're going to get final words of wisdom from each of you. Um, uh, let's kick this off with Misty first. Oh, goodness. Okay, so I would say that my, my main, like pretty much takeaway from from this entire conversation is um, to avoid that disconnect, make sure that you're authentic to your brand and that you've you've chosen the right thing to begin with. And then make sure that your brand identity being all of the pieces that you put together to represent your business. And that is everything from your website to your logo, to your, your PR, to your, your um, packaging design, everything to what, to your employees, to your people, what they think and how they feel. The, all of those pieces need to go together. They need to understand that, that this builds on this, that this builds on that, and that all of those pieces come together. And so avoid that disconnect within your brand. And right there, you're making a huge leap towards your brand identity being strong and <laughs> power on, right? <laughs> so that's that's my tidbit, I guess. Great. Julie, final words of wisdom. This is so hard, by the way. This is hard. This is like when somebody says, pick your dream six pack and that's all you get for the rest of your life. It's like, <laughs> what are you doing to me? Okay. Um, so it, it, I, I wrote down three things because I had to like consolidate in my brain. Know, know your customer, know your voice, your brand voice. That includes your identity and keep things consistent. For once, I'm not going to be like super long-winded and elaborate. Know your customer, know who you're talking to, know who you're selling to, know who's looking at things, know your brand identity, stick with it, live in it, relish it, keep it consistent, don't confuse people. Very nice. Emily, final words of wisdom. Amazing words of wisdom all around. How do I follow up from Misty and Julie here? I'm going to try. So I think when it comes to branding, putting yourself out there is challenging and it's vulnerable. And I experience a lot of trepidation among my partners who want to get it right and they they don't want to mess this up. And so I think the words of wisdom I have in that vein are that if you have created a brand with cohesion, with authenticity, and with a do no harm policy, then you've created something to be proud of and you should put it out there. And that doesn't mean that you can't change. That doesn't mean you can't pivot. It does not mean that you aren't going to have multiple iterations of what you started with, but sometimes you just have to start. So I'll, I'll offer a mantra that I live by. It's on my fridge. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. 
Excellent. I like that. Um, I'm going to throw in my two cents, which is a real quick, just as you're doing your uh, logo creation, name choices, labels, is make sure you run these by your lawyer. <laughs> just just to make sure you don't have aren't crossing any legal lines. Misty? I'm going to add just um, here at the end that there are a number of, I, I know I've written a few, but there are a number of articles that kind of talk about this. And there's even some worksheets and some different things on the startabrewery.com website that kind of will help you in, in figuring out like, well, what name do I pick and how do I decide what my statement is and all that kind of stuff. So um, if, you know, if you're kind of not sure what to do, go to startabrewery.com and look at some of those articles and it'll help you figure that out. We did not pay her to say that, but we should probably. So I'm going to kick it over to Laura. <laughs> All right. I think my last two cents would be to do the work, to take the time to really think through this, to give it that introspection, run it by your neighbors, run it by your friends, run it by somebody you've never seen before, um, to really uh, do this mindfully. And I think that um, the carelessness or that I've got to have something um, I just pulled somebody's name out of a hat that's going to make a logo for me or my neighbor can draw um, that that you lose the intentionality, you lose the brand building, you lose the connection, you, it becomes fragmented and all the other things become difficult. So I would say, do the work, take the time. This is this is super important to get this right. Um, and yes, you can pivot later and you can redesign and you can rebrand, but you can't take back that first launch, that first impression. So awesome. So pleased to have all of you ladies here today. Um, so a big thank you to all of our listeners for joining us now and in the future for episode 006, your business plan, understanding your market and creating your brand identity. We invite you to join us for our next episode, 007, Shaken, Not Stirred, taking a brief side trip to revisit some of those first discussion points with Sam Calagione, Mark Youngquist, and Mitch Steele, who have each opened their own breweries. This will be released on Tuesday, March 28th in the darkest of hours, courtesy of Hall, John Hall. While you're anticipating the release of our next episode, feel free to visit the Start a Brewery website at startabrewery.com, a free resource for those who are looking to open or grow their breweries. Be sure to look through the task lists offered for each stage of the process, plan, act, open, and grow, at the educational resources, and at the offerings from our savvy contributors in our growing library. You can also sign up for an occasional electronic update with new Started Brewery contributors, content, events, and more great information on the contact page of the website. We also encourage you to explore the All About Beer website at allaboutbeer.com. Perhaps pop in to enjoy one of their excellent podcasts as well. In the meantime, this has been Laura Lodge and Candace Moon wishing you a terrific day and thanking you once again for joining us on our podcast journey to start a brewery.